put to my lips the meditations of our hearts. We all be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Do not fear what they fear and do not be intimidated, but in your heart sanctify Christ as Lord and always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and reverence. And of course our Lord talks about truth and our Lord proclaims love. Among other things, we are called to honor truth and love in what we say and in what we do. Uh, but this takes practice and discipline and the deliberate development of the sort of mental and spiritual reactions that might save us in those moments when the world seems to spin out of control. Do not fear what they fear and do not be intimidated, as Peter writes in the letter from which we heard today. Now, because we're all prone to fear and all subject to the herd instincts, and this is because we are made that way. We all have a reptilian brainstem with its fight or flight response. And we all have a limbic system, which is the sort of emotional system that draws herds together, makes cows follow one another, and uh, go, um, makes us want to go along with the crowd. This is a part of our genetic makeup. And uh, if that was all we had inherited, then we would have no choice but to react instinctively. But God has blessed us with a higher cortex, the part of the brain um, and our makeup which permits, but does not command, us to be able to think and exercise our reason, even when events press upon us or swirl around us. In fact, it's exactly when things start to get out of hand that it is most important to be able to remember who and whose we are. For when tensions and passions flare up, it is both harder and more essential to hang on to the ways of being and sets of values that we have inherited. As Christians, we have a set of teachings and a tradition of values uh, as believers in constitutional uh, government and the rule of law, uh, we have a set of values. And of course, there are so many other um, mental constructs that help us from descending to the lower levels of our being. We are equipped to do good and to live for the truth. The only difficulty, of course, is in remembering that when the need arises and finding the courage and the wherewithal to live and act accordingly. The other problem that arises in times of crisis and stress is that the fear and the herd response also produces huge amounts of anger uh, in all of us, no matter how hard we try, uh, unless we're really remarkably, remarkably serene. And it might be that we will be challenged to do the right thing, damn it, with chips on our shoulder or a self-righteous attitude about the fearful and angry crowd around us. If we do not get swept away in the first place, then we need to make our defense and our proclamation wholeheartedly, but with gentleness and reverence. Uh, maybe we will need tough love, but it really has to be uh, more love than toughness. Uh, once again, this is very easy to say in social peacetime, it's much harder to accomplish when things get hot. 
So Peter adds the encouragement, keep your conscience clear so that when you are maligned, those who abuse you for your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame. We do not descend to the level of those around us, pray God, uh, who give themselves over to the herd, and they may treat us shamefully, then they will bring that shame upon themselves and it is for God and for goodness to call them to account and not our judgment and our anger. Again, this is not easy for all of our baser instincts. We act counter to the command of love and truth when you get to that sort of situation. Some Christians and folks from other spiritual traditions as well find a solution to these tensions in quietism and and pacifism. Let's just stand down from the fray and live internal, prayerful, spiritual lives as far from what is happening around us as possible. I can understand the attraction of this because of all the hooks that get set in us if we do pay attention to the world. Uh, But I'm not sure it is what Jesus had in mind. Uh... After all, he certainly did address the world he lived in bravely and openly, and it cost him. And therein lies who we are called to be, I believe. We have examples throughout Christian history and beyond uh, um, the Christian community of those who stood for truth and love and yet did so with kindness and reverence. Think of Francis of Assisi or, or Gandhi. Some of you are familiar with Richard Rohr, the Roman Catholic Franciscan who leads the Center for Action and Contemplation. And um, from his perspective, contemplation cut off from engagement with the world is sort of a dead end. But action in the world without contemplation is a dangerous path that can lead to being part of the problem and not part of the solution. I think the Christians are called to follow the Lord in their hearts, but also in the world around us. And I guess I would disagree with many of our co-religionists about what's important and how to achieve it. And I find some sorts of Christian political activism to be alarming. Uh, I admit to being somewhat disengaged with political issues recently, but I once was involved with legislative issues in ways that other Christians might have found alarming. Um, If you're interested, whether you're interested or not, I can tell you. um, It was in the area of migrant farm labor rights, field sanitation, pesticide use, immigration reform, and so on. And I once had quite a good meeting with Bill Brock, Ronald Reagan's second Secretary of Labor, about toilets for workers in the fields. And don't forget, there are men and women workers in the fields, and uh, the, the old rule was, well, just go do it. You know? I said, well, my, my, I was taught to wash my hands after I went to the toilet. And he said, well, so was I. And uh, when you think that um, the food, the crops, many of the stoop crops get picked, put in boxes, and then go straight to the supermarket, um, it's a good thing to have... Uh, toilets and hand-washing facilities out in the fields, and now you will see them. Um, I'm sure he was a, an old-time progressive Republican, by the way, Bill Brock, a, a nice guy, but 
I'm sure many conservative Christians would have thought me to be a hopeless socialist. Actually, they would be wrong. I'm a hopeful socialist. How to deal with all of this candidly, but also with kindness and reverence, is a challenge. But it is one of the challenges that we face in the world in which we live. And that world is not always an easy place to live in, yet we are among the most blessed of its inhabitants by the accident of where we were born. I was listening to Krista Tippett on being today, uh, driving over as I usually do, and she was talking to an English woman who's a student of, um, of Hannah Arendt, and going back to Hannah Arendt as a, as a, um, as a refugee, um, and her, the work she has done on, uh, she, she did on, on, on refugees and uh, what the world is called to in terms of dealing with those situations. Um, most folk would yearn to suffer our complaints in exchange for their own. And we as a nation would quit whining in a hurry if we lived their lives for half an hour. In the meantime, this world is the place in which we are called to follow Christ and to minister in Christ's name. In truth and love. Amen.